Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. What would you do if you found something so useful, so wonderful that that it changed your life? You're happier, you feel better. Your life is so much more awesome than it used to be now that you're using this this product, this thing. Your life is radically changed ever since you started doing this thing or using this thing or following this way. And, and the best part about it is that this thing you're using, you're following, you're applying to your life. The, the best part about it is that this thing is free. All you have to do is choose to use it, to apply it to your life. Now, if you had information like that, would you keep it to yourself? No, you'd want to share it with others. You found something wonderful and life-changing. Why would you not want to share it? Well, that is Matthew here in chapter 9 in a nutshell. Matthew had just been saved, as we call it today, right? He'd just been saved. He'd been called by Jesus to follow him. And and now Matthew wants to share his testimony to tell others how drastically God had saved his life. Later on, that is exactly what Jesus tells all his disciples to do. To go into the world and to make disciples. If you are saved, if you are miraculously transformed, Jesus expects you and wants you to tell someone else about it. So Matthew did. He told all his friends about Jesus. And then he invited them to come to his house to meet this Jesus, the the man who saved his life. And so they did. You know, I can imagine Matthew is at his house getting the food ready for his Meet and greet with Jesus party, right? Uh, uh, he's getting the final table setting, the final fork is placed down, the final napkin, the final bag of Cheetos laid out, the, the big punch bowl with an amazing drink inside of it that's all grapey and lemony. And you know how punch bowls all taste cool but weird at the same time? He's got a whole punch bowl of that laid out and the party is ready for them to meet Jesus. And then here comes Jesus, ready to meet the friends of Matthew. And some of Jesus' disciples are already there, ready to meet them as well. And Jesus is there, ready to heal and transform them. And then a knock on the door door opens and we see one of Matthew's first friends yes one of his friends has showed up and you know who one of his friends is another tax collector in other words another person hated by the Jewish people I wonder if Matthew pauses you know, I wonder if he wonders how Jesus would respond to another person just like him. A person considered a traitor to the Jewish people. Because, you know, we tend to make friends from our walks of life. And Matthew hung out with other tax collectors. And guess what? His friends were other tax collectors. 
And I wonder if Matthew looks back at Jesus. But then Jesus acts just fine and invites them both to celebrate this occasion with them. And then wave after wave of other societal outcasts show up. Because those are all Matthew's friends. He was a societal outcast. So guess what? All his friends are societal outcasts. More tax collectors. And then some women of very bad reputation who walk the streets at night trying to find men to party with in ways that were shameful to society. These type of women, they began to show up. Oh, and there's a there there's a thief, and oh yeah, there's there's a guy who cheats on his taxes quite a bit, and oh, and and there's uh there's there's more 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 tax collectors, yay, more and more tax collectors. But instead of going yay, oh no no, Jesus welcomes them all. He turns none of them away, but invited them all to his party so there they were all enjoying the hot dogs the cheetos and the cold pop well kosher hot dogs right and jesus and his disciples were among these people telling them about the wonders of the coming kingdom and who jesus was and what it meant to follow jesus and the life he has to offer and lo and behold some of these men and women they were asking Jesus to forgive their sins and, and they were beginning to follow him to become like Jesus. This is awesome. This is exactly why Jesus came to earth to save sinners, Paul would later say, just like me. That is why he came to earth and you can't save sinners unless you're amongst sinners. But sadly... There were other people invited to that same party. Now, I don't know if they were invited or if they were just looking in at the windows, sneaking a peek through the curtains, or, or maybe Jesus and the whole entourage were outside sitting on the patio, and these men, these Pharisees, were just watching from afar, just looking at this party in Matthew's backyard. Or maybe they were invited to the party, but who invited them? These men hated Jesus. They loved their law. They loved the Old Testament. And they loved all the laws they built upon the Old Testament. But they hated Jesus. And why did they hate Jesus? Well, according to one of their laws, it was a sin. A de facto big numero uno sin for anyone who called themselves a good Jew to associate with sinners like these people. And their law laid out exactly who these sinners were. And these sinners were all the people that were showing up in Matthew's backyard. Tax collectors, women of ill repute, thieves, scoundrels, the outskirts of good society. These were considered sinners by the Pharisees. And there is no way Jesus and his disciples should acknowledge these people, let alone eat with them. You shouldn't eat a meal with them. In fact, if they're on your side of the sidewalk, you should go to the other side of the street to avoid him. 
Their laws specifically forbade a good Jew from eating with sinners. And these people, they fell into that sinner bracket. How dare you as a good Jew eat with that person? Now, are we the same way? Are there certain people we're not friends with because we have decided they are too icky to be around? You know, are you so caught up in your friend groups that we ignore those on the fringes? You know, how about in your youth group or in your Sunday school class? Do you ignore some of those kids that don't come from the best homes? Don't come from the best parts of town. Don't dress in the best way. They might even smell. Or they might claim some lifestyle that is just gross and disgusting. And do we ignore them? Treat them like lesser people? Well, according to Jesus, you shouldn't. You should never ignore, treat rudely, or avoid someone who isn't cool, who's a little weird, or who's just a known, out-and-out sinner. You shouldn't avoid them. Now, if their sin might draw you back into a sinful lifestyle, then the Bible says, yeah, run away. Do not associate with them. Because by trying to reach them, the Bible says, you'll be drawn right back into that sin and you can't have that. But if their sin is no temptation to you, then you should associate with them. Are all your friends Christian? Now, I think your best, 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 best friends should be Christians. The ones who influence you the most should be born-again followers of Jesus. But you should have genuine friends who aren't believers. Do you have any friends who are non-Christian, non-believers, non-followers of Jesus? You should be their friends not to just convert them because then you're not really a friend, right? I think you should be genuinely interested in these people's lives because you care about them. And maybe in the process of caring, you'll lead them to Christ. But if all our friends are Christians, then we'll never have a chance to share Jesus with anyone. And I hope at your work, at school, wherever you happen to be, that you are not known as a snobby Christian. Someone who holds their nose in the air as being too good for the sinners at school or work. I hope that's not you, because that wasn't Jesus. Well, these Pharisees began to whisper complaints and to openly mock Jesus for eating with tax collectors and sinners. Can you believe Jesus is eating a meal with her? Yeah, can you believe? Like, he just gave a hug to that tax collector. Oh, oh, imagine Jesus is sitting outside of Matthew's house enjoying the sunshine and the food. And imagine Jesus hears this while he's eating some Cheetos with Frank, the auditor for the Roman Internal Revenue Service. Traitor. You know, and, and Frank's sitting on his right while Helen, a woman at the temple who gets paid to have inappropriate relationships with men on his left, sitting there and they want a life change. And they know their lives are going nowhere and they hear what Jesus has to offer, and they want that. 
But then they hear these Pharisees with their comments and their discussion and their disdaining looks. And Jesus can see the disappointed looks on his newfound friends' faces. Their looks of disappointment and discouragement on their faces as they hear the clucking, crowing group of joy suckers just going on about how terrible it is for Jesus to not only associate with these type of people, but to eat with them, to eat with sinners, to touch the same food as sinners, and at the house of one of the biggest sinners, a tax collector. Disgusting, shouts one. Shameful, shouts another. Finally, Jesus stands up. And the jabbering crowd of Pharisees stops and looks. And then Jesus says this. It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13. See, Jesus stands up and he answers their complaint with Scripture. He quotes Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 to them. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea was a prophet from the Old Testament who preached during a time of great evil in Israel. It was a time the people of Israel abandoned the worship of Yahweh to worship other gods such as Baal and Asherah. They still had a temple to Yahweh and they were still going through the rituals to Yahweh, but the people's hearts were gone from Yahweh. Outwardly, they followed all the rules that showed obedience to Yahweh, but inwardly, they loved another god named Baal. They followed the rituals for Yahweh, but they lacked any love for Yahweh. So when Jesus uses this quote from Hosea, Jesus is accusing these Pharisees of two things. Number one, of following the laws of the Old Testament demanded by Yahweh, but having no heart for Yahweh. And for number two, number two, he accuses them of being pagans like the priests in Hosea's day. Pagan idol worshipers. Those are the two things he's accusing the Pharisees of. Well, you can imagine how the Pharisees took this from Jesus. They got angrier and angrier. And later on, they accused Jesus in the same chapter of not producing his miracles and not doing his miraculous healings coming from God. None of that power, none of those miracles, none of those exercising of demons came from Yahweh, came from God. No, according to these Pharisees, Jesus was doing all these miracles in the power of Satan. That's how mad they were. And they spat those words at him. They hated him because Jesus told them the truth. And he showed them how far they were from the heart of God. I hope 
And I pray we are not like the Pharisees. People who understand our Bible inside and out, who have all the knowledge but no heart for Jesus. We can quote scripture at the Iwana Olympics and win a trophy or two. We can beat anyone in Bible trivia. But we have no personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus warned earlier in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. That was the Pharisees. That's who they were. But Jesus was amongst the sinners not to make them feel good about their sin. No, he admitted that they were sick. They needed help. And he was there to help them. He was the doctor who was going to meet their spiritual needs. And their spiritual need was a life transformation to follow Jesus. And that's what he was going to offer. But if you're not amongst the sick to offer that to them, then guess what? They're not going to be able to hear it. Later on in the chapter, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We've got to send people out. But we've got to send them out among the sick. We've got to send them out among those who need us. And I hope and I pray that we are not little salt shakers who keep our salt in our salt shaker and never share it with anyone. I pray we shake our salt out so it changes society. And I hope and pray we take that good news to the sick. And I hope we have friends and acquaintances and relationships of people who don't know the Lord, of people who reject our Savior. I hope we have friends in those camps so that we can tell them the good news of Jesus. The good news of a Savior who loves them and cares for them. If Jesus has changed your life, please go out and share it. Tell someone what a wonderful Savior we serve. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.